This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. When I really sit down and think about the U.S. prison system, all the emotions that come up for me are very overwhelming partially because of the numbers. As of June of this year, 30,062 people were locked up by the Illinois Department of Corrections. 95% were male and 54% were black, even though black people account for less than 15% of the state's population. But the numbers don't do a great job of reflecting the individual experiences of those 30,000 people. For the second year in a row, WBEZ and our sister station Vocalo are producing a project called PrisonCast in partnership with Illinois public radio stations across the state. PrisonCast started as a call out to people in Illinois prisons and their loved ones on the outside, asking them what they'd want to hear on the radio. And it's grown into a much bigger audio and engaged journalism project. It'll culminate in a two hour special broadcast this Sunday And today we wanted to play a conversation that'll be a part of that program. If you've never been incarcerated or you've never loved someone who was locked up, this is an opportunity to hear what that sounds like. It's a conversation between a mother, Julie Anderson, and her son, Eric. Julie works with the families of people in Illinois prisons at the group Restore Justice. And Eric was released from prison earlier this year. Less than two months after Eric got out, they both came to our studios to have a conversation about their experience and to share advice for families going through the same thing. So what do you remember about the day you went away? You know, probably not as much as I'd like and maybe more than I'd like. Uh... That was pretty painful. They came to the house, I'll tell you, at 4 a.m., knocking on the door and... Didn't explain too much, but handcuffed you and took you out of the house. And I had no idea that was the last time that that you would be home in 27 and a half years. And how, how did we stay in touch? Hmm. Well, I think initially, visits, some letters here and there, the occasional phone call, but really visits. What I always told people was the reason my family's so close is because of those visits. You know, just in the visiting room alone, if we spend three hours there with no phones or no laptops or not even a TV, you can go get something to eat out the vending machine, and then you can sit there. And for us, we talked and talked and talked. You know, if you if you consistently engage with your with anybody, but especially with your family that much, you really push out all of the superficial things that you might talk about just to kill the time or to convey a message. And you really start talking about, like, what's up with you? What's happening? What's really going on? And those conversations are uh, some of the most important conversations I've had ever in my life. 
Do, can you think of a moment when you were sad and I wasn't there or vice versa? I would say that that's probably something more that I would ask you. Because yeah. I'll tell you what. When your brother got married, it was so bittersweet to me. I was really happy about that. But at the same time, I was like, wow, his brother should be here to be his best man. Like, this is our family celebration. Everyone is together. And we always had that empty spot. Can you tell me about a moment where you felt like you were parenting me from the outside? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> well, Eric, <laughs> I tend to parent a lot. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it, that's been, I think, a real challenge is when someone goes in when they're 15 and they're in a place that you don't understand and you don't know the rules. And it's real, real hard a lot of times to hear things or and 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 see decisions that are being made that maybe you think aren't right, but maybe they are right because you don't understand those circumstances. Can you think when you were inside of a moment when you thought you needed a parent? Those are hard moments, so. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, like every day, right? Of course. Emotional support-wise, always. You know what I mean? I will say pretty confidently that at no point in my incarceration did I think to myself, gee, I wonder what my mom thinks I should do in this situation. <laughs> I wish she was here so I could ask her about getting into a fight with somebody or something. Like, I wonder what she'd say about that. I never thought that. But I will say that uh, early in my incarceration, I don't remember the conversation or anything, but I remember the sentiment being conveyed to me from you and dad, I think, which was, we don't know that in there. That's not for us. Whatever you got to do to make it through that, just do that. And I adhered to that uh, throughout my incarceration. So then, you know, can I think of a time when I needed a parent? Yeah, all day, every day I was incarcerated. Uh, you know, I needed that support. But uh, I don't think that I very much needed any advice from you or dad about like what I Except should. for your hair. Or, yeah, I mean. I told Eric he had to grow his hair out when we were going to have court again. What advice would you give to someone whose child has just started a long prison sentence? What I would tell people is, first off, don't give up. And visit as many times as you can. Answer every phone call you can, but don't feel guilty about not answering phone calls. That's such a big thing. If you can't answer the phone, then you can't answer the phone. And you've got to let yourself off the hook for that. But mostly I would say to be tenacious with everything and not be afraid to call every single person out on the treatment of your child. So what advice I would give to someone whose child has just started a long prison sentence? Answer the phone. Try to get in to visit as much as possible. If you can't answer the phone and you can't get in to visit, write some letters. There's like a minimal level of joy you get when they stop at your cell and say your name that you have mail. It doesn't matter what the mail is. If it's a yeah. postcard, 
takes three seconds to read. Now you get a postcard, but you still have that moment where you felt like, oh, yeah, they called me. I, I They get remember it. me out there. And, and, and I understand that, like, that's difficult for people. But, man, buy some postcards. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. print some pictures. Pictures, yeah. So important to people. So important to people. And I think uh, one of the most important things was the unqualified level of love and support that I received. That was made known to me, like, a lot by you guys. Like, listen, man, we love you. We still do it to this day. Every yeah. time we see each other, we give each other a hug. Uh, our whole family does it. And we also say, I love you every time we leave. I love you, ma. Yeah, I love you too, Eric. I'm just very, very happy you're home. I, the first night I went to bed and I, I sometimes things weigh on you and you just don't acknowledge them because you can't change them. So for 27 and a half years, I think, I went to sleep every night with that in the back of my mind that, ugh, Eric's in prison. Ugh. And that first night I was like, wow, Eric's in a in a real bed. Like, holy cow. And that really was a, a great feeling. That was Julie Anderson talking with her son, Eric. He was recently released after serving 27 years in prison. The prison cast team has spent the last two years asking folks inside Illinois prisons an open-ended question. What's something you want people on the outside to know about your life on the inside? These are some of their responses, and they're voiced by volunteers. I want people to know I'm more than a number. I am more than my worst mistake. I'm a son, father, Grandfather, I am also a writer, poet, a professor, cousin, friend, and much more. I am human. I was a 15-year-old kid when I got locked up for this crime. I've been incarcerated for 18 years for the death of my abusive husband. Not everyone incarcerated in the Illinois Department of Corrections is guilty. I'm wrongfully convicted. I am a totally innocent man. I continually carry with me great remorse and regret for the choices and decisions that I made in my youth. I feel the true pain of the wrong I've done each day. And sometimes when I'm alone, I honestly cry from the hurt I've caused to so many. My wrong hurt a lot of people. I want people to know you have to be a strong individual to be incarcerated. It's a fight every day to survive. Even though I don't get to see my son, I love him dearly. I do not have any children. My family and friends do not write to me. It's like out of sight, out of mind. We survive with mice, roaches, spiders, and other pearls in a prison that is rapidly decaying due to its nearly 100-year existence. For all of its faults, the violence, the injustice, None of those are the worst things about prison. The worst thing about prison is the feeling of being dead.
but not yet buried? Or are we buried, but not yet dead? I would like people on the outside to know that I am the founder of my own company. I want people to know I am in recovery and just celebrated one year sober. I appreciate the little things in life more. I am a better person than I was before I got locked up. When I am released, I will pursue an associate's degree in applied science, applied engineering technology. I may never be released. As I travel on this road of redemption, I'm taking advantage of every self-help and academic program possible. To ensure that the person released back into the community will be someone that will add value and they'll be proud to call a neighbor. That was Carl Williams and Mark Clements from the Chicago Torture Justice Center. Najay Webster with Restore Justice, and Elizabeth Cruz with the Women's Justice Institute. Both pieces you heard today were produced by Lauren Frost. She's the executive producer of PrisonCast. Alex Keefe is the lead editor, and Ayana Contreras is the host of the show. You can hear more of PrisonCast live this Sunday between 2 and 4 p.m. Listen to WBEZ on the radio at 91.5 FM, or live stream it at WBEZ.org or on our app. The special broadcast will also be airing on Illinois Public Radio stations and our sister station, Vocalo. Also, a heads up. Starting next week, we're changing the format of the show a little bit. I'll have a full update on how we're going to do that soon. But for now, the biggest change is that this Monday, my colleague Adora Namigade is going to start hosting the morning episodes. You've heard her on the show a few times, and now you'll hear her voice every morning, Monday through Friday. And you'll still hear my voice on the afternoon episodes. There's more to come, and I'm so excited to tell you, but that's it for now. Justin Bull and Sarah Stark produced The Rundown, and Katie O'Connell edited this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week.